Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Midpoint. My guest this week is a producer, writer and performer, a man who's turned his hand seemingly with ease from making top-class TV to appearing on it, and he's now got a chart-topping novel on his hands, with Hollywood knocking on his door. As we speak, he's a few months of 50. He's in the prime of his life, although he admits he may have got any midlife crises out the way early on. He's cultured and urbane, but loves his daytime TV. He went to Cambridge, but he's a man of the people. Heat magazine awarded him their Secret Crush Award. He might even be that nebulous thing, a national treasure. There's so much to talk to Richard Osman about, and none of it is pointless. Sorry. This episode is brought to you by Solgar, whose range of over 300 vitamins and minerals are carefully crafted to deliver optimum health when we need a little boost. Although they won't help my jokes. Right now, I'm loving their magnesium, which ensures a restful night's sleep in uncertain times. Oh, look, there's a train, yeah. which is um, maybe going to be a regular feature of this podcast, yeah, this particular sure. episode. So, Richard Osman, it's um, so lovely for you to give your time up, it's especially a pleasure. at the moment, which, I mean, I can imagine your time at the moment has been taken up talking nonstop about your debut novel. Uh, yeah, as, as, as we record, yeah, it's, uh, it's only been out two weeks, so it's been insane, which is great, and it's, um, I'm absolutely thrilled so yeah you catch me in a particularly good mood whether whether four weeks ago about my midpoint i'd have been like oh the thing is gabby uh, no i'm like oh my god it's like the best thing ever well that's good because yeah. we can reflect on both and actually we'll get right. to the book in a moment because the thing that i want to start off with is that if i'm to believe the kind of the, the dates and statistics and the numbers you didn't appear on television mm-hmm. properly as a kind of career move until you were about to turn 40 or around 40 exactly that yeah I think I was yeah late 39s right. uh, early, early 40s. I, yeah. I meet you today at late 49s as well I don't know I? right that's uh, that's pretty grim isn't so it so basically you've been on telly for a decade yes I've accidentally been on telly for a decade <laughs> yeah and, and yeah because people often say to me because as you know I was behind the scenes for years and years and years uh, on telly I'm very happily behind the scenes yeah. and accidentally uh, went on telly so tell I'm us there. how the accident happened well that simply happened because as you know if ever you do a quiz show you pitch it in the room you actually Mm. play through the quiz like in an office environment basically yeah exactly exactly and we did that at the BBC for for Pointless um, down in the old TV centre and I always make the producers play presenters always 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 because the producers know the show inside out Mm -hmm. they know what can go wrong with it they know which Mm -hmm. bits to kind of um, show up so we did that I played me the me role Uh, the BBC liked the show they said we need someone like you to be you and then they thought well you are a little bit like you (laughs) which I agree you might be the most like you that we can Mm, find yeah you're certainly the same height they were very keen on that uh and so they like that was that a kind of feature almost that they like the idea of you having this not just a giant brain but you were this big man I don't know I think they just I think because it's people I'd worked with for years because you work with the commissioners because you're selling shows I think they thought well you're you're quite funny in meetings uh, so I wonder if you'd be funny on telly. Uh, so I said yes, cause, just because I thought that you'll, you'll know as well as anyone, most shows disappear. Mm. Um, you know, and I've had lots of shows disappear. So I thought, well, I'll do one series, something to tell the grandkids. Uh, and it, it's, it has never stopped since, which is very, very peculiar. But I think the fact I was 39 made it rather useful for me to deal with 
suddenly being on TV. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next, because you've had a life of anonymity. Mm. Success, but anonymity. Yeah. I mean, relative anonymity. Obviously, within the industry, yeah, anybody but, who yeah. wanted a hit making would go to yeah. you or they but would, you know. Like anyone cares. Yeah. But, but, yeah, but yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like anybody within an industry that's good at what they do, but the public, you could happily walk down your local high street mm-hmm. and nobody knew who you were. So yeah. then you go and this hit happens and you're in people's homes every single day. They feel like they now have a, yeah. you're with them. You're a piece, you know, kind of they're part of their furniture yeah. and their lives. So how, how did that? Um, I think that it, for me it was fine because it happened quite late I say late in life now 39 seems very very young uh, but because because I was I, because I'd already had my career and I, I, I sort of felt quite formed every single thing I've ever done on telly I've been I've been able to be myself so I've never had to go oh well, yeah I'll be what you want me to be what how do you want me to be what do you want me to wear what you know I was able to just go look I'll do it but this is who I by am. the way I'm just going to be me and so I've never in terms of when the public and I talk to people uh, in the street they know the, their vision of me is pretty much me mm. and so I never have to pretend to be anyone or do anything and so it's, it's actually been rather nice and where, where I live uh, where we're recording this in fact um, and you know this bit of West London traditionally been very TV and film yeah. and music there's just lots of it you know, centred around here and so I'm like the 900th most famous person around <laughs> here and so like nobody cares when I walked <laughs> on I was at um, uh, M&S the other day in the queue and um, the guy at the front of the queue, who's lovely, he was saying, when are, you, when, are you, when are you back in studio? I said, no, we're back, I think, on the 16th. He goes, oh, yeah, honestly, we t- I said Stephen Mulhern in the queue yesterday. They're back on the 11th, but no audience. I was like, okay, that's the, that's the kind of neighbourhood this is. The, the, the kind of grammar of the post office is all telly, telly kind of uh, talk, which is quite good. I, when mm. I moved, we moved out of West London to uh, the Shires, and in my village, um, and literally on my road and kind of just around the corner, uh, lived Mary Berry and Pauline Quirk. So, wow. yeah, so I had to kind of, it, I was not a novelty. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, kind yeah. Of, you know, in fact, what the question people would say or ask me is, have you been to Mary's yet? You know, it's kind of, wow. it's, yeah. Um, ha- so, and, and have you been to Mary's? Yeah, she cooked for us. Get out of town, did yes, she? How she was did. it? Amazing, as you'd expect. Is it good? Yeah, so, you was would... a kitchen supper, darling. So, okay. in front of the Arga, um, she knocked up a, a kind of flan, an apple flan, a French mm. thing, which I would probably take weeks mm. to kind of have the guts to do and she just did it that afternoon and it was all very traditional and do you think she enjoys it because because yes. she must feel pressure because she was always very very renowned and then suddenly became super famous and suddenly yeah. everyone who goes to their house it must be like being Nigella she or something it must be hard to throw a dinner all, party you know she's really? totally unfazed about everything you know I I love cooking and I love cooking for a large group but mm. I get a bit flappy kind of you know yeah. when it's all happening so then of course I had to invite her back <gasps> oh I didn't think of that yeah that's awful and that I took the day off literally yeah. I kind of said to my agent block the day out I'm mm. making minestrone and uh, <laughs> wow but did you make a pudding as well well I'm not I, I don't have a sweet tooth I genuinely don't love dessert okay which has always been a fault of mine because I've yeah. forgotten about it in the past you know and opened up a tin of pineapples and poured it on oh, people's no. you know Gabby, no. I know no. so I thought I've got to do something yeah. so I did a slow cooked lamb which took about 12 hours okay. I made my own mint sauce with like you know a special oh, she'll like that. lots yeah. of because her husband Paul's quite traditional I thought she doesn't See. want any of my newfangled modern you know, Otomegi yeah. style cooking she doesn't want sushi she doesn't it's want Mary that. Berry for God's sake a minestrone of a traditional recipe you know yeah. so for pudding <laughs> Embarrassingly, oh I made a cheesecake. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> Which is the world's easiest thing to no, make. but, I mean, but she, you ha- it has to be amazing then. Well, she did say to my children that like, it was a very crispy bottom because the kids weren't allowed to come, well, they weren't not allowed to come for supper, but they weren't involved in yeah, the supper. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But they came at the end in that Victorian style to kind yeah. of like chat to the, <laughs> chat to the hero and because um, and, they loved her. And she said, your mummy's cheesecake has got a wonderfully crisp bottom. Wow. Which, and did you buy that that was the truth? 
Or did oh. you think that... Uh, oh, you're telling me now that she might have been lying. But, I'm you know, because just... I, I I mean, I, she's nice enough on telly, I would imagine in real life she's not going to say... Do you know what? Well, I've got to say, um, the lamb was very good. Um, <laughs> the, the mint sauce, a bit much for me. She focused on the mint sauce. I'm not sure did she loved she? the man. She, she kept focusing on that and saying this was something she wanted to make herself. Really? And, yeah. Oh, that's oh, the first appearance of a train. <laughs> yeah. It's, literally or our... it's my tummy. I'll let you, you the listener exactly. decide. Either we're hungry... And we got sidetracked on Mary Berry, but just on that briefly, what made me laugh so much is she's so lovely and funny mm. and she was in, obsessed with my dressing room because she was about to build a new house. So sadly, she's left the village. Oh no. And moved towards where her daughter lives. And she said, can I have a look at your dressing room? And she kept going up and taking a look at it with her husband. Really? Going, yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. That's I'm, quite cool. Yeah. Um, but, um, she once came on um, uh, Celebrity Pointless and... Uh, Xander to this day is just mortified because occasionally on that show uh, when the audience uh, come in we swear because the audience really love it yeah. uh, and Mary was on and Xander for, I can't even remember the context but he dropped he didn't just drop the F-bomb he dropped the MF bomb. No, right. isn't that of, the top swear word on the BBC? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he knew he. It, it wasn't going to make the edit, but <laughs> yeah. it was. You know, it was for the room. Uh, but he said the second he said it, he just glanced over at Mary Berry and he said she just looked crestfallen. Yeah, she didn't even look angry; she looked disappointed. Yeah, and he said honestly, I couldn't concentrate the rest of the show because I knew that I'd yeah. upset Mary Berry. It's so funny how some people have that ability yeah. to to elicit those responses, isn't it? Yeah. And, and she, this is a man who's met the Queen. Yeah, and he was like Mary Berry was far was. He yeah, MF'd yeah. in front of the Queen for hours. Yeah. She was. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, she was. Like, well, she's I used to Prince Philip, Mary's isn't she? Almost, Mary's almost more regal. Well, I, well, I think so in a Prince way. Prince Philip, right? who is currently alive at the time of recording this podcast. Exactly. That's uh, <laughs> how many times have we had to. I've spent like the last 15 years making topical television shows. And every time you're like, oh, just be careful with this Prince Philip bit. And he's just, still, you know, he keeps going. Everyone else you've talked about had to re edit, yeah. but he's I mean, still yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, for all kinds of other reasons. Right. So, so here you are, suddenly not suddenly famous, but suddenly recognised and known and having notoriety. And, and was it everything you thought it would be? Because you must have seen loads of people become famous on shows that you've been involved with. Well, before. that's exactly it. And, I mean, you know, making shows over the years, lots of comedy shows and things, certainly loads of comedians I've seen before, you know, before they were ever on telly, you know, Catherine Ryan, Alan Carr, mm. Frankie Boyle, Jimmy Carr, all of the, you know, that I whole... I knew them all when they weren't famous. But, but I did, you know, I did because, purely because I'm old. Right, purely because I've been around for a really long time. So pretty much anyone who's famous who's younger than me, I knew before they were famous because it's... Yeah, you know. yeah. And some people it really suits uh, becoming famous and some people it really doesn't suit. Some people it really chills them out yeah. uh, and, you know, you feel like they've earned something and they work hard and what have you. And some people it really sends off the rails because they are usually the people who got a bit luckier to get famous because they have to in their head justify why they're famous and so they have to go oh no there's something great in me that's why I did it but it's because of something in me and that's mm. I think sets them off the rails whereas mm. lots of stand-up comedians usually take it quite well because most of them have like worked their guts out mm. to get there because they've toured up and that exactly and they can kind of work out why they're famous um, because you know they, they know I the thing they like did I think like anything in life isn't it I mean the biggest kind of analogy I suppose you could say is like a big lottery win mm. which sends a lot of people off the rails because yeah. It sounds great to win a hundred million pounds, but actually, yeah. it, sounds, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. It does. It really does. Wait a minute. Where's, where's this sentence like going? <laughs> but it, you can see how, actually, if you've been somebody who all your life has had a strong work ethic, mm. suddenly you kind of go, "Oh, I'm not quite sure how yeah. I got here, and I haven't. There's been no incremental steps to get there. Yeah. You know, I've gone from my very modest, tiny little house to yeah. a mansion, and people wanting stuff, and that's a bit like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I think you're it's right, about. and you know, the, you know. 
in, the, in, in money terms, you know, your, your life is, is, is spent knowing what your priorities are, which is keeping your family safe, making sure you can pay the mortgage next month, making sure you can pay the rent. Uh, and suddenly that disappears. And for famous people, it's been, there's that sort of rocket fuel of, I want to make it. I want to make it. It's really, I've got to make it. I have to be there. I this competition with other people. Mm. And suddenly you make it uh, and you see them kind of go, oh, sorry, what do I, what do, I do now? What's my rocket fuel now? Mm. Now that I'm selling out arenas, what's, what is it that's supposed to motivate me? Because I know what motivated me before, mm. which was, wouldn't it be great if? Mm. Uh, and then it's, well, it is. But that's the thing with success is, and the thing that messes some people up about it, is that thing of they have to have more of it you know mm-hmm. the second you're selling out an arena and then suddenly peter k is selling out that arena for three nights you're like oh i'm an idiot i can't believe i only sold this arena at one night i need to talk to my agent why don't people why do people hate me mm-hmm. you know and that's a you see it with people when they come into money as well you know and they'll buy like a really expensive house and then they'll see there's a house in the street next to them that's even more expensive and they're like ah oh. and you think oh my god what a waste you spent all that time making all that money buying this beautiful house and you're still as unhappy as you were before you got that one because mm. you want the next one. So the real secret, isn't it, is to go and go in, oh, I'm really comfortable with where I've got and what I have. I'm and, happy. Yeah, and um, that's you know that's that, that's the way to deal so with So by the time fame, you and Xander appeared on Portlish, do you think you'd reach some level of happiness then? And I, think I'd, I think I'd, I, th- I think that I'd got to the end of one career. I think I'd done probably everything I was going to do in TV production. I would have carried on forever because it's fun. I was going to say, if it hadn't, Pointless hadn't happened. You'd still be doing it though. You would, uh, you yeah, I suspect so. Or... I probably would have gone straight into writing. I suspect because that's where I started as a writer. Mm. Um, so yeah, I definitely thought, you know, I built that, a big company up with, with 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 a group of other people and it had been successful. You, this is the other thing. You were financially successful. Yes, oh, yes I was. So, yeah, so telly was, wasn't your route to riches. You'd already um, had financial yeah, success. Yeah, presenting wasn't my route to riches for mm. sure. I was. Yeah. So I, the that's BBC. the other nice thing is I've yeah <laughs> I've never ever needed to be on TV to you haven't work. Chased. I can sit back and sit in my house and write or, or, or come up with shows. So, yeah, so I'd done that and I'd had that career. Uh, and so, yeah, you have to look for a new challenge every sort of 10 years or something, even if it's a hobby. You've got to mm-hmm. do, take up something. And, yeah, so I took up being a, a, a quiz show host as my, uh, as my new hobby <laughs> for 10 midlife. years. And the yeah. other thing as well is you'd already separated from your longer-term partner yeah. and uh, and got so that stuff in a way is also important, isn't it? Because if... If you start something new and then all that stuff happens, yeah, yeah, then yeah. from the outside people think, ah, this is, it's gone to its head, he's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so you were in a stable situation at that point in terms yeah. of, you had a your routine sort I'm of. Listen, I'm more stable now than, uh, yeah. <laughs> than I was then, but who isn't, you know, you, you should be spending your 40s getting more stable, I think. But yeah, I think that I didn't have, um, I think, I, you know, if there's such a thing as a midlife crisis, I went through it 10 years earlier than people are supposed to, which is quite good, you get out of the way. I had dinner with a friend of mine recently who's a very senior judge, which is hilarious if I've known her since she was 18. And you would not have put money on that. Um, Northern Irish girl who's great. Uh, and just going checking all the senior judges in the country and working out who's from Bangor. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and she, uh, you know, we both said, because we, we, you know, I think we both had the sort of minor crises in our, in our mid-30s. Mm. Uh, and here we are both kind of 50-odd. And we're both just saying, I mean, we both seem like really happy and sorted and around us there's all sorts of people who are having their crises now and who are mm. losing their minds and we're sort of saying maybe it was a good thing we got mm. our 
crises out of the way quite early because we seem to have a, like a, a good long run of happiness, you know, up to this age, which is quite nice. And then, so you've now, you've alluded to it, you've obviously written a book which is not just successful, it's kind of, you know, blowing others out the charts in terms of its statistics and its numbers mm. and its critical acclaim as yeah, well. which is lovely. Um, which is more than lovely. I mean, it mm. must be so satisfying yeah, I'm beyond thrilled. It's like a culmination of something. It's uh, you know, I always wanted to do it because I've always been a writer, uh, and I wrote the book that I wanted to write, and I'm really proud of it. And and my thing has always been in telly and everything. If you're proud of something, it's easier to sell it. And I love the selling. I love 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 getting as many people to watch something as possible. Like you know, that's what it's to me. That's creative as well but only that's if really interesting because it's I I quite enjoy that process as well. Yeah. But you've got to be confident as well, haven't you? That what you're selling. Is well, that's literally the only thing, and that's with anyone who's in, in sales and great salespeople usually are selling something that they believe in, you know. Because, uh, yeah, I will go on any telly show or talk to anyone if I've got something that I love. If I've got a show that I love, I'll go in and pitch my heart out because I know it's great. If I've got something I think, oh, this is a bit of a catch in, this is a bit cynical, I will go and sell, but you're a bit kind of hmm. And mm-hmm. then when you sell it, you're like, oh god, we've got to make that now. Um, <laughs> and so it's lovely with you know. Uh, House of Games, which I do now, and, and, and with the book, that I can go and talk to anybody about it. And just, yeah, I, I, I love that thing of, a, of, of telling, of getting people to buy something because that, that I know they'll enjoy. And it. they are buying it. And not only are they buying it, but Steven Spielberg bought it to turn into a movie. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know. Which is, I mean, uh, honestly, Richard, you're yeah. 49, you're 50 later this year. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine, though, your 30-year-old self mm. having Steven Spielberg kind of come yeah. along and... The man who created E.T. wants mm. your book. I know, right? It's um, Listen, I don't know what to think about it. Other than I literally got an email from my agent this morning saying, oh, Stephen Spielberg literally just emailed say he wants 10 more copies of it to give to people. You think, okay. Oh, no, <laughs> he's got to buy them. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fascinating that. And I'm able, I think, to divorce that from my ego, which is one of the most important things about being at a midpoint because of the business side of it. And under, mm. because of my business brain can kind of go... Well, that, you know, so mm-hmm. me as a human being, I'm incredibly proud and excited. So mm-hmm. that's lovely. And I'm really chuffed that he likes it because obviously he doesn't know me from telly. But then the, the other side of my brain can take over as well, which is thinking, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what will happen with it. How can we mm-hmm. deal with it? How can we make that as big as possible? Mm-hmm. And so I'm able not to, I'm able to enjoy it, but then focus the kind of energy that gives you, and it gives you a lot of energy into something positive, I hope. Oh, well, I'm sure. Now, you just mentioned a friend of yours um, who's a senior judge, and uh, was she a university friend? Yeah. So you went to um, Cambridge. Yes. And uh, I imagine lots of your peers have gone on to do quite amazing things. You would think so, but not really. Oh, really? <laughs> I think, because I tended to mix with all the state school kids at Cambridge, and we, we all kind of, yeah, it turns out that, it, that the Cambridge is much less important than the school you went to beforehand. So it's the lesson so I So the networks that they all jumped back into after they yeah. came through is yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, or, they, or they knew how to accelerate they knew how progress. To do it, yeah. you know, and me and my friends didn't tend well, to. Well, I don't think you, um, Cambridge will be looking back and thinking, oh, poor Richard. Wish oh, yeah, listen, I can't, I can't complain myself but yeah it's, but but uh, you you to get into any of the top class universities you've got to have some kind of intellect and some kind mm. of you know thirst for knowledge and yeah. everything that goes with it so when you and you're obviously a very urbane very clever man is and i love the fact you defend telly a lot you know yes. you kind of you love yeah. popular culture and modern television yeah. kind of programs and how important they are to society do you ever have a moment where you think oh if i'd done i should do something that's you know a bit more kind of world changing and could mm. i have done something with my intellect that kind of would have mm. solved 
the crises, various crises on the planet yeah. right now? Well, listen. Or are you able to just go, no, I like yeah. telly. But, yeah, but here's the truth. And it's a, it's a truth that, that, that um, other people might want to ponder on sometimes is I'm not that clever. <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I'm just not. I know the limit of my intelligence. I know when I bump my head against the glass ceiling of my intelligence, right? I'm clever enough to do the job that I do and to do it well. And so I'm clever enough to 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 do something where I think I make people's lives a bit better just, just in terms of making telly or, or, or writing books and I'm good at it. I know clever people and they're cleverer than me. You know, I know various people who are professors at various places and I talk to them. I think you understand the world far better than I understand the world. I get a vibe about the world, about what's popular, how to sell things. Mm. So I, I, I can do that sort of thing. But in terms of policy and in terms of the earnestness needed, I'm not clever enough. Mm. You know, I, t- I genuinely, I'm a very different sensibility, but I'm Boris Johnson. Just <laughs> listen, I can stand up and sell you something and be charming and all that kind of stuff. But you, you give me something difficult. I can't really do it. Do you it. think he's clever enough to be our prime minister? Well, I mean, he, of course not. You know, but he's he's he should be an advisor. You know, he's a he's a sales guy, and that's absolutely fine. I don't mind that. Other than mm. if you have the ego that then says, "Oh no, I reckon mm. that actually I could solve all the problems of the world," and you know he can't. He's too he's too lazy. Is he? He doesn't have attention to detail, and that's the same as me. I don't but mind is that. Is he? Do you think? And this is a thesis, maybe for another day. But is he not the product almost of modern television in the sense mm. of kind of you know if you look at something like a Big Brother or. Any, any of those kind of talent shows which are uh, pop idol or um, X Factor where you thrust somebody forwards very quickly and it's the populist vote. That's kind of where it all came from. You know from. what, it's not, I mean, but that's entertainment and entertainment's always been that and entertainment's always made immediate stars. You know, it used to be, you know, comics and then it's, you know, real people. It's the product of 24-hour news. Mm. It's the product of this absolute insatiable growth of, have, of news having to move at speed and social media and having to have a reaction because that is an easy place for a showman, you know, or a showwoman. That's the easiest place to be because you've mm. always got something to react to mm. and you can make a mistake and move on immediately. It's like stand up doing a set, you know, suddenly you're getting feedback, 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 you know, so it's, it's, it's the way we do current affairs and news in this country that's led to that. Uh, and that, by the way, is, has had an inevitability. It's not some evil hench person sitting there and, and, and creating it. But yeah, his, it's, um, you know, we live in a, a witocracy, really, which is if you can be entertaining, you know, you can do whatever job Which, you want. You well, could. I know you just said that you're not qualified to do lots of other, yes. other things, but actually all the things you've just described sum up a lot of your, you know, kind of mm. persona in terms of your public persona and things that you mm. are able to do. I was doing a, a kind of little bit of research for today. I thought, you know, because you think you know somebody, but let's just see if there's anything else. <laughs> and one of the, I mean, obviously one of the things that I'd forgotten is that you were, what was the secret, Heat Magazine's top secret crush? Was yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. we won't, we don't yeah. need to go into. But the um, but the other thing was um, a, I can't remember which, which popular website, might have been Buzz or something, had your top 25 tweets. And I was laughing out loud. I was in mm. my office. My husband was around the other side going, what are you laughing at? I said, just some of Richard's tweets, which I've probably seen the first time, but collated... Yeah, yeah. That ability to kind of like to distill something yeah. is is what modern politics seems yeah. seems to make a success of people. But are, you know, genuinely, and I do think I, I, there's a million things I can't do, but that is something I'm quite good at. It's this it, that's the skill that I have got, so that's that's what I use. But ha- being able to do that 
makes me look at today's politics and just going, we've got the wrong people in charge. Mm. You know, we need the thinkers in charge. We need the doers in charge. We need the earnest people in charge. Boring though they are, mm. you know, that's who you need. I but, want it's, people but it's very hard. Who look like they might spend an hour at least thinking about a problem, you know, yeah. and actually having the time to think yeah. about a problem and not just knee jerking everything, which but seems was, yeah. to be how I whole... And I've spent a bit of time with, with a few people in politics recently because I'm fascinated by it. And I always ask, look, who's, who cares? Mm. And they'll go through the same people's names that always mentioned. Some are Tory, some are mm. Labour. But they say, no, those people really care. Mm. You might disagree with them, but they, but they care. care. Um, but I don't think Boris would be one of those particularly. That's absolutely, you know, it's okay. You can have whatever career you want. I'm not judging. As I say, I'd be very similar if I was in charge. You know, I, I think there are very few people on the front line of modern politics who would be in that group of people. But there's so many people, so many... On point that you know we snag off MPs all the time and this that the other. Then on pointless you ask the names of people of MPs and no one knows any of them. So we seem to think we we can uh, take an opinion on this group of six hundred and fifty people without knowing who any of them are. And actually, the, the second you drill down into it, there's an awful lot of hugely intelligent, hugely hardworking people, mm. but their voices have been lost because of the, the speed of mm. our culture. Uh, and again, I'm not bright enough to know how to turn that round. The only thing I'm bright enough to do is to try and promote the, the things that I believe in, which is warmth and, and kindness and, 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 and trying to find compromise with, with, with people that you might disagree with. But I don't, have any, I don't have any clever solution. Some people I know do have those clever solutions, but they're not going to be heard. And the only reason I ask that question is not to kind of like, you know, make out that your, you know, your career is successful as it is, you know, you could have changed the world. Just that I think that's kind of a midlife theme in a way and you know I know that it's what I question myself about most you know kind of like oh maybe after your law degree you should have become a barrister a Mm. human rights barrister which was the area of law I really wanted to work in if I was going to do it and and instead you're reading football schools now you know and (laughs) (laughs) someone's going to do it though (laughs) so that 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 is the thing that I I think creeps up the most if in terms of any anxieties I think it's exactly right I think at this age certainly one thing you think is how can I do good in terms of, uh, I mentioned that you, you separated and, uh, from the mother of your um, children in your late 30s and then you have this new career in your 40s mm. and, and we'll go, we're going to have a relationship expert oh, wow. today. Yeah. Oh, I so, um, well, well, I don't know. Can you use that? I, uh, how has it been for you being single in your 40s? Um, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's really great, I would say. <laughs> Which I know is not one of the things said. I've had a couple of relationships which 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 have been longish term and which have split up, which I have regrets about in different ways. But these things absolutely happen. Um, but yeah, from my perspective, it's wonderful. I mean, it's you know, it's um, I think it's probably easier being a single man in your forties than a single woman because women, by and large, are, are, are much better to date than men. Uh, and when I talk to my female friends about their dates, it's like, you think, that is unbelievable, what, he really? And the, 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 she goes, yeah, but I suppose he's sort of, I suppose, but he's got a job. Uh, and, and he owns some yeah. socks. Um, so yeah, he was wearing a different shirt on the second date, the first, so that's something. Uh, whereas, you know, if you're a man, you can, you can date kind of astronauts who, you know, sort of have set out uh, stand-up tours. And it, it's, so it, it's it's kind of, great and I think also I try to age appropriate date uh, and so you are also dating people you know what's going on as well and mm. you know their own minds and they're decent human beings mm. and so it's sort of easy to start you, dating it's easy to stop dating it's want to have uh, a kind of somebody that is the person uh, you grow yeah. up with yeah I think is so I'm not, I definitely you know I definitely always really wanted I'm much better in a, in a, in a team 
I'm much better as a sidekick. I love, you know, I'm a I'm a second in command, really. It's what I like. So I want to be with someone who I can kind of uh, um, elevate. So I love that. But, you know, the older I get, the more I sort of think, well, but also it's okay not to because I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by lots of really great friends. Uh, what was your parents' situation? They uh, divorced when I was very I young. And of, so, course, yeah. of course, of course, of course, of so. course. I mean, I mean, duh. <laughs> A cliche so, I am. But on so yeah, one, I don't have an experience no, of, a, of, a, of a couple growing staying together. together and growing old together. I think you're the first single person I've spoken no, to on this podcast. No, really? Yeah, wow. Yeah, which is interesting. It's interesting. Well, they single when they started and then by the end, they were, <laughs> after the podcast went out, they went, hold on. By the end of the podcast, I had them yeah. all fixed up yeah, with yeah, people. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it only occurred to me kind of um, yesterday. I was thinking, oh, that's interesting yeah. that everybody's kind of in, uh, you know, living with their, I mean, God, they might all be massively unhappy. Well, exactly. Well, you know, exactly. And also, yeah, give it five years, Gabby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some of them were a bit younger. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some of them were, actually, John Bishop, who was the first person I spoke to, did separate from his wife and got back together with her. Oh, which is um, And very similar that. to you in, in as much as until he was 40, he hadn't earned yeah. a penny from doing mm. stand-up. So had a, that kind of moment at 40, which that was one of the reasons I wanted to start this anyway, was that people listening feel like actually do you know what I can I can do that thing and as yeah. he said it's not gonna always be doing stand-up but it just might be something completely different in their I th- career I, th- that- I, th- I think it's it I think you know there's a lie we're sold which is life is a continuum and you you know you, you sort of climb whatever ladder it, it is uh, and you sort of don't it's kind of a step ladder at one point you do get to the top and then you can sort of wander down the other side and back up and you know there's no uh, and when you get to that you, you, sometimes I think people you can feel it's your fault you think oh I sort of run out of enthusiasm and what's wrong with me and you know mm. everyone else has got this life and I'm feeling like um, mm. you know um, um, there's something short you think no I think you just get to it. it's like a car you know after 10 years you know you probably it's probably the engine is gone and you know you just need mm. to you need to replace the Kick carburetor start and do something a little yeah bit. and I I think that's very in the in in, in my book. Everyone is in their seventies, mm. um, and they're they're sort of solving murders. But one of, but one of the beautiful things about it is they're living in a community full of other people in their seventies, and they're forming friendships and they're forming new friendships in their seventies. Mm. And you know, and my and getting new hobbies and, exactly. Yeah. And that would be my view. I think we yeah. have to keep refreshing. And you know, it can be something as simple as you know changing around the living room furniture. We all know genuinely. That can give you six months, right? <laughs> Just going, oh my God, every time you walk in the living room, you think, this is, oh, I've made a good decision here. Um, and, you know, or yeah, it can be a hobby, it can be changing a job, it can be going and doing volunteering, charity work. There's so many there's so many things to do. But if you are feeling there's something lacking, then that thing is not lacking in you. It's yeah. something that's lacking in life. And it doesn't and, have to be changing your partner, but this no. seems an appropriate time to bring Annabelle Knight in, ah. who might give you advice if you did want to ah, change lovely. your partner. Or if you are thinking, do you know what, actually... I want to give this a go and try and see if I can. Because that's also the thing, isn't it? You don't necessarily have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So it could exactly. be just that you, you know, yeah. you need to address why it is that this person that you were yeah. madly in love with not so long ago is suddenly really annoying you. Genuinely, it might be you change the living room furniture and suddenly you fall back in love with your husband. Annabelle, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. You have been on all kinds of TV shows over the years, from Big Brother to Loose Women to um, Breakfast Television, sharing your wisdom on relationships. So we're particularly focusing on the middle of life and the kind of late 40s, the 40s, 50s kind of area. And I was interested to read recently that there are more divorces happening in that period now than there were before. They used to be at the 30s. The early 30s seemed to be the, the kind of um, peak for divorces. Um, but it, it would seem people are kind of either they're sticking in a little bit longer 
or they're getting married later. What's your theory on that? I think that maybe a little from column A and a little from column B. We are tending to do things later in life. In general, now people kind of move in together later, they have children later, um, careers develop over a longer period of time and they become more of a focal point. Um, so there's all these distractions, which may mean that your love life gets put on the back burner, so to speak, for a little while. So um, a lot of people in their 30s are not even married, let alone looking for a divorce. That's why they're not divorcing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, things are, are happening a little bit later um, in everyone's lives nowadays. Uh, people aren't so much in the mad rush to settle down. I don't hear that phrase bandied about anymore. It's kind of uh, uh, grandparents and my parents' generation that would want to settle down, so to speak. So in a way, Annabelle, it's quite sad, isn't it? That if you're waiting longer to settle down or you're waiting longer to find your life partner, that you're still not actually, you know, making it work. You think in a way, you, you can understand somebody getting married at 22 and then they get to 42 and they go, oh, I'm not going to spend the next 40 years with you, so I'm going to call it a day, you know. that's. But if you're not getting married till your late 30s and then it's still kind of, you know crumbling away in your mid-40s. I don't know, is there any hope for any longevity? <laughs> there definitely is hope. Um, I think with couples and with relationships, um, being able to talk to your partner, and I, I talk about communication until I'm blue in the face, and I often am met with eye rolls because every single couple I meet think, well, of course we communicate, we talk every single day. But real communication involves active listening honesty and openness and without those three pillars you're just talking hot air so with communication it is about raising those issues as and when they arrive so they don't fester so they don't become something more than what you can handle as a couple um, it's really important after communication to just be completely honest with your partner in all aspects of your relationship um, and that is everything from your, you know, your financials and the day-to-day -day running of your shared lives to things in the bedroom and things out of the bedroom as well. You know, your friends, your family, absolutely every element needs to be met with complete transparency so that you have a really good chance of making that relationship work in the long term. Totally brilliant advice. And three, I like um, um, honesty, openness. Transparency, honesty and openness. Which are all brilliant and make perfect sense. And it's interesting what you said there about on all aspects, because... I imagine if you've been married to somebody for 25 years, if you suddenly decided you wanted to change something in the bedroom, you know, alarm bells would ring from the other partner, wouldn't they? Suddenly you started being honest about sex. Like, why didn't you mention this 10 years ago? You know, that's quite a difficult... It's easier to talk about money, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that, and that is quite a difficult subject for a lot of people to tackle. But sex is something that... Um, it, you know, we all do, we all have with our partners, unless you are in a sexless relationship. But for the most part, the majority of people um, enjoy being intimate with their partners. But the majority of people don't know how to express their needs, wants and desires with their partners because, you know, we're very stiff upper lip. We put up and shut up. We lie back and think of England. All those kind of things that you are met with kind of across the board societally um, but that is changing. People are getting more confident in the bedroom. We, we, I, I love the rise of um, like body positive influencers and sex positive influencers because their message, um, while you know a few years ago it may have been met with rolled eyes, is now being absorbed by the masses. So we see a lot of people 
you know, deciding, actually, my sex life isn't quite what I want it to be. It's not terrible, but it's not amazing. And it can be amazing and you should want amazing and you should strive for amazing. So a lot of people are now becoming more confident. Um, and even if they're not quite at the point where they feel they can speak to their partner, they're at a point with themselves where they know that they want to be able to speak so, to their partner. Okay, so they, they, they take the, you know, they... The bull by the horns sounds like the wrong metaphor for this occasion, and they and they and they have that conversation, and and they're open and they're honest and they're transparent, and still it's just not salvageable, okay? And sadly, they decide they're going to part company, they're going to move on, which is always traumatic, whether you've got kids or not, if you've been together for a long time. Then they're back out there in the wilderness again, and for a lot of people in their kind of late forties, mid forties, they haven't dated anybody else apart from their long-term partner for twenty odd years, so you know getting out there into that landscape which has changed so much since you know the first time they you know they were dating it's quite daunting isn't it yeah absolutely and what what a lot of people don't do is give themselves enough credit for what they have just been through a relationship breakdown is a trauma and it needs to be kind of dealt with in such a way that you are ready to go into the dating world afterwards because if you jump in too soon you end up uh, seeking out relationships, whether you mean to or not, but subliminally you seek out relationships that are going to fail because you're not actually in the right headspace to have a successful relationship. So giving yourself that grieving time and that time to you know, reconnect with yourself, reconnect with um, what life means to be single, all of those things are really important before someone jumps back into the dating world. Does that include just having a casual bit of sex with somebody? I mean, would you say like, like try and be celibate, try and really and just enjoy your own company? Well, no, I wouldn't necessarily say try and be celibate, but I would say if you're seeking something um, more, meaningful. Uh, more meaningful and more long-term than just um, you know a little bit of fun, then definitely give yourself the time. But of course, you know, a, a one night stand or a fling can can be one of those building blocks to building that bridge to your new life. So it really depends on the individual and the person. But definitely take your time um, and think about what it is that you need for yourself in order to, to move on. Just finally then, how are people in the midlife meeting other people? Are they using dating apps? Are they actually having face-to-face -face kind of meetups? How does it work? Dating apps with kind of people in their 40s and 50s are becoming increasingly popular. We can see data that shows us that, um, you know, for the 40 plus age group is one of the most burgeoning age groups for using online dating. Um, with the apps, I think a lot of people are trying them, but they prefer dating websites where you get to put a little bit more information in um, and it's not quite as instant because that instant is a little off-putting for people to be quite like, confident haven't you to do that yeah exactly and and if you are used to meeting people in a more organic setting and letting relationships grow whether that's your you know a lot of people meet their partners at work or in a, like an external environment or through friends this is it's very very um, in your face it is I am single I am looking for someone please approach me and and you get um it's called micro rejection with dating apps. So every time you match with someone that doesn't match with you, you, you get a little sad feeling. But every time you match with someone that does match with you, you get a little hit of dopamine. So it's a, a little chemical rush either way um, with the dating apps. I think if you're not used to that kind of fast paced and instantaneous dating lifestyle, it might be a little bit of a shock for you. My advice for anyone looking for online dating is to 
have a look online at the different types of ways you can date online and pick the one that kind of fits in with you the best. Annabelle, thank you so much. I think um, I'm happily married at the moment. Obviously, I hope I don't need any of your advice. But if I was listening to that and, and, and I was at the end of a relationship or I was heading out into that dating wilderness, I think I would feel very assured So and reassured. So thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. So you're not too, you're not too bothered about kind of going forwards whether or not you meet somebody it's not you know being married isn't a particularly kind of priority for you my my uh overriding uh the way i try now to live is so like with 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 this the book coming out and 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 it's been really an extraordinary two weeks in terms of sales and reaction all that's lovely but i'm really really aware that in your life you you only get three or four times where that happens where suddenly every bit of news is good news Mm. where it's just lovely the whole time uh, and I and I'm really trying to because I also know that that will then dip and you know then it will start selling less and this that, or the other. So I'm really trying to remember every single bit of it and enjoy every single bit of it. And you know that's the you know people bang on for years and years, but you've got to try and be present. You've got to try and be present in the day and appreciate what mm-hmm. you have. Uh, and it's it's an almost impossible thing to force yourself to do. But I think over the years, it, it's come much more naturally. So at the moment, I'm trying to think, look, who knows what's going to happen in the future with anything, with mm. work, with relationships. But every single day you have where you're happy. In the book, the Joyce, who's, who's the narrator, she says, mm. look, if you have a good day, uh, just put it in your pocket and keep mm. it with you. Because, mm. you know, they can't take it away Joyce, from you. Joyce is the, the kind of wisdom, isn't she? She sort of is. She sort yeah. of slightly homespun uh, uh, <laughs> wisdom, which is, which is great. But, you know, that's the thing. I, and I always say to friends, I say to my kids, if you've had a good day, if you've had a, you know, what, don't mm. sort of think, oh, yeah, but now it's gone. Mm. You literally just think they cannot take it from you. And you'll be 17, you'll still look back and just think, ah, mm. oh, that was nice. And I say, you know, when you're, when you're younger, you dream forwards, right? Which mm. is, what's, what's going to happen? What's going to mm. happen? And as you get older, you start dreaming backwards, which was, ah, oh, remember that? Wasn't mm. that lovely? And it's, you know, so you, you've got to pack your pockets full of those dreams, I think. So you're in the moment and, um, and because of all the things you've been through in your career, mm. that, that's a, good place to be right now to be in the moment you know you're not worrying yeah. about what's what's coming down well because you know you just you genuinely the one thing life teaches you you just never know and you, you spend a lot of time maybe in your 30s maybe in your 40s trying to get some control over what's going to happen next and trying to think oh no but if I do this and this will happen if I do this uh, and oh my god but what if that happens and actually after a while you have to think hold on that just doesn't work it literally never works. All it means is I'm quite anxious a lot of the time. Mm. And it never means that the stuff comes true. Mm. You know, the stuff presenting pointless, right? This, some stuff just comes out of a clear blue sky at you, good stuff and bad stuff that you have no way of knowing. So it's, I think it's better. Anytime you have a bad day, remember, listen, there's tomorrow. And every time you have a good day, you think, great, I'll tuck that away. What about health, though? Because that is something mm. that we can plan a bit yeah, more yeah, yeah. for. And that's been a theme, I think, from kind of various experts that have been on this podcast, that actually your kind of insurance policy for your health has to start before yeah. you have a major catastrophe, you know. Men are, are kind of more prone to that, waiting for something bad like, to happen. All right, Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> well, women... Actually, it was interesting what um, Ian Marr, the nutritionist, said. He said women have had diets rammed down their throats yeah. since they were kids, whereas men 
haven't left up. Sorry, that's my stomach. Really wow. Adding that's to another the, train. And it has some kombucha, which I shared with you yes. before, didn't I? Know, I? Yeah, and it hasn't, and it it hasn't, hasn't had that effect on you. The impact. And that's a train, that not is a kombucha. A train. Um, and so women, because of that, are probably more aware when new yeah. things, health messages come along, whereas men tend to kind of put things off, wait for something to happen, and then go, oh, I better do that now. So yeah. are you quite good at like having health like checks whether it's kind of just something mentally that you do or I thought you were going to say you're good at avoiding the doctors I was about to say yes <laughs> Gabby yes I am um, yeah and, and again also women there are a number of things where they have to go to the the, yeah. the, the doctors so they're used to going and men just are not used to going you know there are not kind of you know mandatory prostate checks don't start perhaps no. when, they, when they might do so no I never go to the doctor I never get ill um um, I get skeletally because I'm six foot seven. And my mm. joints are all shot to pieces. My knee, I need, I need my knee kind of replaced, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, not really. No. You know. Um, so yeah, I don't really take care of it. I would say I know I have to, and I think at, you know you want to be as fit at sixty as you are at fifty. I think is mm. the. Uh, is the so big what are you going to do about it then? Um, just exercise, you know. That's all, <laughs> that's all you can do. I mean, food is food is food. And listen, I was a child of the 70s. I'm never going to get on board with, you know, 10 a day and all this kind of stuff. It's just I'm aware it's not going to happen. So well, everything how, else well, is... How would you rate your diet on a scale of oh, 1 to 10? And 10 being 10 bad. being very healthy. 10 being oh. like, you know, kind of vegan, never, you never yeah, touch yeah, processed yeah. meat. I'm, yeah. I'm completely healthy. Uh, three, <laughs> I would say. There's work to be done. It really depends on how healthy you think what's it are, I would say. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I think, yeah, I never really go to the doctor uh, and I absolutely know I should. I don't get ill, but you know, most people don't get ill is the no. truth. But yeah, but I can see now I'm going to doctors more often because of, because of the, I had back issues about five years ago, which seemed to have sorted themselves out, got knee issues now, and that's going to keep going and going. But uh, yeah, I think just exercise and eat less and that's, you know, there's... Or just p- eat more of the good stuff. Maybe. Yeah. No. No. Like yeah. Maybe. <laughs> you just hate it. You, you... Maybe. Yeah. I've never. Listen. I've never. It's. It's. It's always been a. A. Um. A blind spot of mine. So I do try. Because you didn't have to worry about it. Because you were yeah, so tall. Yeah. I think you so. Kind of needed. A lot yeah. Of I've food. never. Yeah. It's. It's just. It's never been a thing for me. But yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I'm aware. I do have to. But the truth is, the more you take care of yourself, the more you take care of yourself. Yeah. You know. If you. If you do start. You know. Like. I haven't exercised through lockdown because I need to have had this knee fixed before lockdown mm. and I didn't get it fixed. So Shame it's... you didn't get it done just before. Wouldn't it have that been oh, perfect? It would have been literally perfect. I had a few friends who just had surgery on oh. things and yeah, amazing time. Like, my... Even people that had babies just before. I yeah. spoke to Owen Morgan, the England cricket captain. Yeah. He had a baby four weeks before for a cricketer to be able to spend oh, time at home. Yeah. Poor guy. With a new... No, he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> he was like... Oh, honestly, he, was... <laughs> he, he pretended to love it. He was like... <laughs> Do you think he was lying? Um, he wasn't on this podcast, obviously, because he's very young. Um, so uh, I'm clearly not going to be able to persuade you to kind of go and you know change your diet, do lots of healthy things. It's kind yeah, of, healthy it's, things I can do. Exer- I love it when I'm in a, on an exercise kick. Uh, so you do, you love, yeah, yeah, you love I love that exercise. because I get, I get a proper thrill and kick from that. And being in shape is is. But brilliant. you're right about the health checks. Well, hopefully you'll you'll never have so much success that you just stop working completely and just sit around having long lunches all day. But I, I love to be, work though. But I, think, I was going to say that'd be a waste. You want to work. You want to keep going. Funnetise, don't monetize. That's uh, that's that's what I say. And you know, my thing is always writing the book. I want it to be successful because if it is, then I can write another one because I really enjoyed it. And if I do House of Games, I want the series to rate really well because so you can do another one. then we do another series because yeah. I know I enjoy it's it. It's always disappointing in telly when you've done like a couple of series or something and you've really loved it mm. and the third one doesn't come along because you oh. actually, you know... You, yeah, it's the I, worst, right? Yeah, I was like... You love the team. Yeah, and, yeah. a show I did, um, a Saturday entertainment show where the Thursday was always the writing day and we'd have our kind of big meetings together. Mm. We'd get in a 
some Leon and we'd sit around and yeah. I love the Thursdays. Mm. Fridays was a rehearsal day, Saturday was show day. And I just liked that process I loved. And when it didn't yeah. happen, I was oh, but I missed the Thursdays. I missed the whole kind of routine of it's it. It's exactly, it is, it is, uh, you it know. It was Splash. People um, say, <laughs> <laughs> great show. And nothing wrong with Splash. But, you know, people say, oh, TV must be glamorous and exciting. And you kind of go, no, not really. And then you think, hold on, it sort of actually is. Anyone who works with a team, yeah. who they love is working in an exciting, glamorous mm. job. You just have a laugh with people. And yeah. over the years, you work with the same people and you, obviously people you trust and people you've worked with before. And then you bring on younger people. And Teddy is full of people who started as runners and are now like commissioning editors at channels. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. and it's just lovely. It's such a lovely ecosystem. Um, so yeah, I just I, success means that you can do it again. And that's the main thing. And you have achieved lots and lots of that and I'm sure there's loads more to come I think um the way I'd like to leave this podcast now the end of this podcast mm-hmm. um is I don't give you a present or anything by the way or okay. a medal or anything uh, you like. know that if this is going to be meaningful the train's going to go past it right in the middle of it <laughs> I know, I'm slowing that sentence down <laughs> yeah, yeah, hoping yeah. hoping no is that actually the I should have I should have um, finished when you said something about 10 minutes ago which was about living in the moment mm. because I think that's probably the the best position to be in in midlife isn't yeah. it if you can get to that Point where you just start to appreciate yeah. your day so you don't want to go too far in the future because you know what's going to happen good luck with everything and Thank it's you, been Gabby. great to see you and i knew you'd have lots of lovely little kind of nuggets of wisdom for us so oh, it's been you. great fun thank you and no train during that lovely ending piece which means it was really important the universe yeah said, the train to... they stopped the trains <laughs> i think i think i think gabby's summing up <laughs> <laughs> some controller further down yeah. the line yeah, said, yeah, yeah. this time have a great day thank you I always love spending time with Richard because he's got this incredibly well-rounded approach to life. He's a super high achiever, obviously, and that could be intimidating, but he's very approachable and so interested in what's happening around him. He's got this thirst for new ideas and people. I think that probably is what keeps him quite young. And I also like his honesty about his reluctance to adopt a healthy eating lifestyle, which could mean that he might benefit with a couple of Solgar Omniums every day. Thank you so much to Solgar, to Richard, to Annabelle for her relationship advice, to producer Emma Corsham at Rethink Audio, and finally to you for listening. I'll be back next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.